Hey everyone, welcome to B2B Made Simple. I'm Sam Moss, the CEO and co-founder of One Click Agency. On this show, I interview marketing experts from fast-growing B2B SaaS companies. We feature podcast episodes I'm a guest on, and sometimes we throw in a consulting call I've done with another company. Our goal with this show is to equip you and give you the tools you need to be the best marketer you can be. Hey everybody, welcome back to B2B Made Simple. Joining me here today, I have Jonathan Pogat here on what we're calling the reunion tour because Jonathan has been on the show before and this is round two for him. So Jonathan, welcome back to B2B Made Simple. It's great to have you here. Hey Sam, always a pleasure. Awesome, man. So for those of you who listening, uh, are listening, Jonathan was on episode 124. Again, if you find something interesting that he says here today and you're like, you know what, I want to go and listen to what other cool things he had to say, uh, definitely go check that out. So episode 124, if you want to look back, but Jonathan, to kick things off, um, I want to hear, I know you're moving uh, here soon, but if you had to choose between a vacation on the beach or a vacation in the mountains, what do you think you would choose and why? Oh, beach, 100%. Okay, that I, makes sense. I, I wish, I appreciate being in the mountains and nature and stuff like that, but uh, in full transparency, I'm definitely more of a glamper. <laughs> Um, and you know, uh, I admit it. I prefer the beach. Yes. I I'll go with you there. Uh, for sure. Well, awesome, man. Um, we have a, a number of different things we're going to be covering today. Just mostly some, some wins for you guys, how you have, uh, you guys at seamless. You, I didn't mention this, but Jonathan's the VP of marketing at seamless.ai. Um, so we're going to be covering some wins and making this episode a little bit different than the last time you were on the show. Um, you know, some things that you guys have tackled that you're seeing success in and how others can do the exact same thing. So that first thing would be the podcast that you guys launched. Um, you mentioned you guys are almost 400 episodes in now, which is incredible. And you guys are seeing hundreds of downloads a day, which is another incredible feat. Um, I'd love to hear kind of your thought process behind one, why you started your show and two, what did that look like getting it off the ground? Maybe for someone uh, listening to this, maybe their SaaS company doesn't have a podcast yet. And they're like, you know what? We want to get scrappy and do this as well. The floor is yours. Yeah. So podcast is definitely the long game, right? And um, a lot of people, it's a big topic in marketing within the last few years is, you know, should I start a podcast? What should I talk about? You know, uh, uh, what should the format be interview or not? So on and so forth. And, you know, our podcast, it's called Sales Secrets. You can find it anywhere where you listen to podcasts, you know, originally was born a few years ago as a way to generate uh, content and gather sales secrets from the top salespeople in the world uh, for a book, Sales Secrets, which is actually one of our number one bestsellers on Amazon. So the idea was uh, you, you do the podcast, we do the interview, and we'll transcribe that into multiple mediums, one of them being the book, social media, uh, ads, so on and so forth. So that was the original intent of the podcast, Sales Secrets. It was actually to do interviews for the book, and uh, it really just took off. You know, we, we've interviewed, you know, thought leaders all across the board. Uh, we're at episode, we'll be at 400 episodes by the time anybody listens to this. And uh, it really is a, a cheat sheet. I, I say it's like, a, it's like the tools for titans for salespeople, uh, both our podcast and our book, because it's everybody you could have ever dreamed of that you would have loved to hear, you know, what's their number one sales secret in audio or book form. So mm-hmm. that was the original intent of the podcast. And uh, it's taken a few years to get to where it is today, but it's been an amazing content machine for us. Is there anything, so let's say you look back 
Is there anything that you wish you did differently now that you're 400 episodes in? You're like, wow, you know, if we had approached this specifically, maybe a little bit differently, maybe we would have seen even more growth or, you know, something along those lines. Yeah, you can't really look in the rearview mirror like that, right? Mm -hmm. Especially as a marketer or anybody, if you're an entrepreneur or founder, if you're in sales, right? And you're like, hey, I had a rough month last month, or I wish I did something different. The only thing that you can do is really just control your future. So like everything, the podcast is, has evolved and mm -hmm. we continue to learn. We continue to look at the numbers and seeing like, what do people really love to do? When do they love to listen to the podcast? You know, we look at our analytics and we, we realized and found that people are really binging our podcast every Monday morning, right? I'm sure it's the same for a lot. People are getting ready for their workday. Maybe they're driving, maybe they just have a routine, but our subscribers are binging the last five to six episodes on average in one day, right? And we're generating new subscribers there on from there. But um, yeah, we, we're continuing evolving. Originally, it was all about the book, right? And let's get this amazing content, extract the number one sales secret from all of these sales leaders, right? And that fueled the first few hundred episodes. And uh, now it's become more of a, a daily show. Right? We're, we're publishing every single day. We're releasing a podcast every single morning at the same exact time at 8 a.m. And we're providing sales tips and secrets from what we've learned as one of the fastest growing SaaS companies, right? Um, you know, Brandon Warnanson, he's our founder. He's our CEO. And, uh, you know, he provides tips all around entrepreneurship, sales, marketing, everything that we've learned along the way, we're sharing with everybody and being completely transparent about our journey. So, I'm sure there'll be another evolution and something else will come next, but uh, I don't really think about what we would have done differently. We're just constantly learning, constantly optimizing, constantly evolving. You know, I like what you said about uh, one, you started as a show that brought on thought leaders and I'm sure you still sprinkle that in, but now you have your internal team, your founder, your CEO sharing their thoughts on, Hey, here's how we've gotten from a to B. Right. And you have, you guys have evolved and that's like, for someone listening to this, you don't have to have a subject matter expert in-house right now. Maybe you do, and they just aren't really comfortable with getting on a podcast, but you can invite people and then your show can evolve as, as you grow and people start to recognize your brand and go, Oh, you know what? I would actually like to hear what seamless is doing. Maybe early on, you guys didn't have the brand reach that you have now. And it was like, well, who is seamless or why would I listen to the show? And you have to bring on some of the bigger names to begin with. So I, I love that evolution of what you guys have done. Yeah, it, it, it's all rooted and grounded in, our, it grounded in our mission too. positively impact a billion people. Everything that we do, our technology, our people, our culture, it revolves around that mission. And originally, you're right, right? When you're starting off or you, you don't have a, you know, a big brand, maybe a lot of people haven't heard of you, you want to bring in people that you can kind of attach yourself to like you're, you're a barnacle, right. On kind of their cruise ship uh, and you're learning and you're sharing those uh, insights, right. With your audience. So as you evolve, you learn, you have insights, right. You have a lot to share about your journey that people can learn from. So we're mixing it all in. We're sprinkling it all in. You know, there's a lot that we've learned, both the good things, the bad things, right? Not everything is always positive that, you know, we're sharing on a daily basis and people want to see the real stuff is really what it comes down to, yeah. right? And um, they want to see vulnerability. They want to know that, you know, this is, this is normal, right? Or maybe it's not normal, whatever mm -hmm. they're going through, right? Like, yeah, that's my content strategy too. Or, or oh, wow, I haven't heard of that before. Or a daily podcast, that sounds crazy, right? And that's what we're doing. 
And that's actually what I thought. I yeah. Daily podcast. <laughs> are we going to do that? People are going to listen to it. Do we do it three hours? Do we do it one hour? And really what we, what we do is just keep going back to our mission. It's like, it could be three minutes, but if it's a fire three minute sales tip and it's going to help somebody, we're going to do it. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. So one thing I see is that many companies get all excited about creating content, i.e. a podcast, right? And then they, they spend no time distributing it or they absolutely suck at distribution, right? Oh, yeah. I'm curious to know what your strategy is. What are some, some tactics, some things that you found really work to get the word out about your podcast in a non-salesy way, but maybe a more educational way? Yeah. Um, you have to have a distribution strategy, right? You've got to think about like, what's your pillar content going to be? So our podcast is really our pillar content. Our podcast is actually our video content first today. So we're shooting video. We have an in-house studio where our video team is recording these daily sales tips, uh, as well as looking at like, what are some of the other opportunities that we have done where our audience can see a lot of value? So if we were on a webinar, right? Can we cut some clips from that webinar or even produce that webinar on our podcast? right? As a special episode, Mm -hmm. and we'll tell them what the webinar is. We'll tell them it's a webinar and stuff like that and what it's about. But if there's value to be had, we're distributing it. So we have to think about what do you, what are you first, right? Are you video first? You can be audio first. Uh, You can be long form written content first, whatever that thing is for us, it's video, right? And um, what are the channels that you're going to use to distribute and edit those videos, right? And you don't need an in-house studio, right? You don't need full-time videographers and editors, right? There are millions of people out there that can help you do these things. All you really Mm -hmm. need is a microphone, an iPhone if you wanna do video, right? And a way to record. And um, that's really it. So as far as distribution, we're video first. It goes video, it goes podcast, it gets edited for YouTube. It gets edited for LinkedIn. It goes on our Instagram reels. It uh, goes on TikTok now, right? So we have a distribution strategy in mind. And it's also part of our repository for future longer form content as well. If we want to do another book, we can glean on the insights or some of the tips that we've shared in the past and uh, keep that in our repository for future efforts. Yeah. The thing that here's, here's what's not going to work is posting on LinkedIn or wherever your audience is, for example, and saying our new podcast episode dropped today. Here's the link. That's not what, that's not distributing content, but what you guys are doing is you're taking the, the high, you're making a highlight reel of the podcast episode in short form and distributing it for free. A lot of people will just take that content, maybe implement it, consume it, read it, whatever it may be in social media. And that's great. Some people will click through and go, oh, you know what? I want to dig deeper into this. And those are, that's the win, right? And that's exactly how I've discovered a number of different podcasts is I've looked back and I'm just like, how did I actually start listening to, to this podcast or this podcast? And I reverse engineered what actually happened. I'm like, you know what? I actually was following this person on social media for a while. I really enjoyed their clips. It was educational to me. I wanted to dive deeper and learn. And now I'm a subscriber to the podcast reverse engineer how you interact as a buyer or a consumer, right? There has to be value, right? And if you're like, well, 
there's always this conversation of like what you feel is valuable to your audience and what your audience thinks is mm-hmm. valuable to them, right? That's true. Like, I don't like that image. I don't like that font. Does it really matter if your audience likes those things more than you, right? No, you should be audience first, right? Consider, and, and then at the same time, right? Like you, you do have to look around the corner in front of your audience or your customers, whatever they are, users, subscribers to show them what's around the corner. So in other words, you don't want them leading your content strategy the entire time, right? Mm-hmm. But you should definitely be well-informed in terms of what they should be thinking about and what they should expect in the future. So it's kind of a combination of those two things, but there has to be value. Like mm-hmm. anything that we clip up for LinkedIn, right? We've, we've never done a LinkedIn post ever, I don't think. That said, our, our podcast is uh, uh, up, right? Or yeah, many we downloaded, do. we so downloaded many do. a new, uh, uh, or we uploaded a new YouTube video, right? No, it's always going to be something of value and usually one takeaway, right? The attention span is still pretty small. Um, and it's going to be like how to recruit for your startup, how mm-hmm. to close an enterprise sale, how to handle a sales objection when somebody says X, right? It's always going to be something of value. Mm-hmm. One thing that I've recently started implementing. Uh, so if you're listening to this, you could probably see me making mistakes and, and trying new things kind of growing in public here is becoming more of a reporter. So in the past, how we've distributed our content is we create a micro video, which is cool and uh, a graphic and we share it to, to LinkedIn. And that has gotten some traction and we've built some growth for our podcast. But one thing we're trying, and then you can see it on my LinkedIn is here's my key takeaways to this episode. Not the things we talked about, but things I actually learned writing up a really in-depth post and posting it. And that's one thing that we're, we're experimenting with just seeing if like, you know, we get some traction and so far so good, but not many people are taking that style. I mean, we interview people on our show. So if you interview people on your podcast, uh, you can probably pull it off. It's a little bit different for you guys. Cause it's someone in, you know, your company, but maybe that's helpful for somebody just to take a different approach than, uh, what everyone else is doing and just go a little bit more in depth and deliver value upfront. Yeah, if, if something is interesting to you as a, as a podcast interviewer or, or wherever it may be, um, share those things. It's probably mm-hmm. interesting to somebody else. Um, when I worked at agencies earlier in my career, even today, right? Like when I, I learn from my clients all the time or our clients and our users all the time, whenever there's something interesting that I think, you know, would be a benefit to me, well, chances are it's going to be really interesting to about 10,000 or 100,000 mm-hmm. other people, right? Um yeah, it's a, it's a great little growth hack. Like just share, but you have to get started. That's the hard part. <laughs> yes. And uh, it some, sometimes it can be a little bit easy, but sometimes it's, it's getting over that ledge of, wow, can we actually do this? But you don't, here's the thing. You don't have to start out with a daily show. You don't have to start out with your own content and trying to figure out what are we going to talk about? An easy way to get started is once a week, a great cadence for a podcast, bring on experts in your field that your buyers would find interesting and they want to listen to and ask them the questions that your buyers want to know. Like that's a great way to get started and not have to generate your own content and your own thoughts every single week. Yeah, it's great. If you go on LinkedIn today, right. And and we're all following people that we really admire, right. In, in the industry, find out what they're talking about. And if you have a point of view on it, share it, 
Mm-hmm. That's really it. Give them credit, right? If you're gonna, if you're gonna, I wouldn't plagiarize anybody's post or their <laughs> content, right? Uh, definitely don't do that. But if you have a, a POV, you know, share that POV. You know, people are talking about dark social. What does it mean to you? Yeah, is it something you're thinking about? Do you have a, a different opinion, right? Um, engage with that person too, right? If, mm-hmm. if they're really leading the way, right? Um, you know, engage with them and get in the conversation. Absolutely right. Um, you know, one thing that you guys also have going on is your book sales. Do you think that that is because of your podcast? I mean, you guys are selling hundreds a day. Um, you're doing really well with those. Is that attributed yeah. to your podcast? Boy, it's like uh, what came first, right? Yeah. Um, Am- Amazon book sales, it really is a different animal. Mm-hmm. There's a, an SEO strategy that you really have to be thoughtful about mm-hmm. on Amazon. That's very different from everything else that you've worked on before, you know, similar to Google, but it's its own engine, as you know. So uh, I think a lot of it is definitely fueled by the podcast, but I think it's the entire content flywheel, right? Like we have, we, we've always been, a, we've taken the stance of founder first content marketing. It's how our company got to where it is today right? People follow people. They don't follow company brands. Mm-hmm. And, and there's definitely some brands out there that buck that trend. But I, I would argue that there are probably, you know, people at those companies that have even bigger followings, right? If you look at, you know, the, the best in class out there, right? Like, like Gong and Fine and other big brands drift, right? It's not just the brand standing alone. It's everybody around it. But, um, yeah, uh, book sales is its own thing. I think it's the whole content flywheel. It is our LinkedIn strategy. You know, we post multiple times a day. We always post value. It's Brandon. It's our CEO first, mm-hmm. right? And, and we follow with our brand as well with our own POV. It is uh, being on channels like Instagram as well, YouTube as well. It's our podcast. It's the book. It's the entire flywheel. People follow us on LinkedIn. They buy the book. They learn about the podcast, right? Uh, our users, right? It's really about our users too, right? They find the book. This is how they're finding. This is how people are finding Seamless today. And uh, I would have never. I would have always hoped this would be the case, but you never could really plan for this stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Every single day, we're getting DMs, right? We're getting emails. I'm saying, read your book. It's changed my life, and I want to try out the software. And we don't push the software in our books, right? Like, hey, you should check out Seamless. Then our books wouldn't be that great. So um, every day we're hearing from people that have discovered us through a book or a LinkedIn post or a YouTube channel. So how do you put attribution to that, right? Is uh, you take a lot of screenshots and you also agree on what the goals are, right? You you agree that uh, or not, like for us, it's about if we can impact, positively impact one person through this piece of content, we're going to do it. Right. Because if it's one person that's telling us about it, there's probably tens of thousands of others, you know, hundreds, whatever it may be, that are also positively affected by what we're doing. How do you guys measure your goals? Like, what would you consider success when it comes to your podcast, to the books, and any other brand building activities that you might, uh, LinkedIn, YouTube, things like that? It's again, flywheel still. Right. Yeah. It's, it's, um, we go in with a shared understanding that there are going to be some channels here that are going to be really hard to track. Like, good luck getting data or, or like personal information from Amazon. In other words, good luck getting the email addresses or names of people that bought your book on Amazon. Right. Like, it's not going to happen. Right. They're going to tell me, tell you how many books you sold and how much you made from it. And it's, it's not going to, that's not the ROI, by the way. 
uh, for anybody that sold books, you know that you're not making a lot of money there. Um, but it's the whole flywheel. At the end of the day, we need to make money as a business, right? And how we make money is delivering a tremendous amount of value to our audience and to our users, right? Either whether that be through the software, but also through our content marketing. So some of it is measurable. Obviously, we want users, we want demos, we want MRR, ARR, right? Retention, all of those things. And a majority of our channels are those things. But on the content side, you can't really tie those things together. So it's going to be about leading and lagging indicators, right? Is our podcast growing, right? Are we seeing more book sales? Are we seeing less book sales, right? Um, are our customers reaching out or our users reaching out about content that they've consumed from us? a podcast, a book, and any opportunity and every opportunity we see where that happens, we take a screenshot of it, we put a, we create a channel in Slack and we post it in that channel. If it's the book, it's in the book channel. If it's uh, the podcast, it's in the podcast channel. And we share all those things, we compile them, we track them, and then we look back and say like, do we feel like this made an impact, right? D does this fuel our mission? Is this tied and connected to positively impacting million people? If it's yes, we keep going. If it's no, we don't. I love that. That's actually something, you know, I had talked about this in our prep call is creating that Slack channel for that qualitative feedback. And it's genius. We're, we're going to be implementing it here for just screenshots because they're all over my desktop and in a bunch of different places. But just having that place yeah. for one, everyone on the team to go see and maybe even people not in the marketing team to say, wow, look at these wins because they might be seeing the quantitative data. Oh, here's the number of podcast downloads we had. Here's how many books we sold. But the huge wins are from what you're seeing in social media, uh, what people are writing in reviews on Amazon, et cetera, or even on your, your on iTunes or Apple podcasts, what they're saying about the podcast. That's the kind of stuff that really moves the ball forward and shows, wow, this is, this is working. Yeah. And I talk a lot about audience and users and customers, but it's also for our employees too. It's right. It's for our culture. It's why we do what we do. And it's a constant reminder of what we're all working for here. So it's, it's not just about like, Hey, do I, as a marketing leader, do I feel really good about our book because we got these testimonials, right? Or somebody DM Brandon's inbox this morning about how it's changed your life. It's really about sharing with everybody here at Seamless and future employees, like the work that we're doing matters. It's meaningful. Here's how it is. Look at these stories. We're not asking people to DM us about how they feel about the book or how mm -hmm. we've impacted them. It's actually a pretty big area of opportunity. We should be collecting that feedback more often, <laughs> but they're doing it willingly and candidly and our employees should be seeing it too. And it helps ground us. Yeah. What would you say, uh, or why would you say it's important for marketers to be aligned with what success looks like at the top of the organization? Why is that important? Uh, that's a softball, but I know it's a big, I know that's a big question, right? Because you, you want to feel like you're in control right? mm -hmm. as a marketer. You always want to feel like you, you know what you're doing, right? At the end of the day, none of it really matters if you're not aligned to the business goals of that organization. If, you're, if your goals aren't aligned to the CEO, the stakeholders, your board, whatever it may be, right? The C-suite, especially sales and the CFO or VP of finance, if you don't have complete alignment with those functions, your time, your time is up <laughs> sooner <laughs> than later, you know, just to yeah. be really transparent there. 
And, um, you know, that sounds like, uh, but, but what if they don't know what they're doing? Like they know what they're doing, right? They know what they're doing. It's really a matter of, are, are you willing to take feedback? Are you willing to grow, right? Willing to get uncomfortable? Uh, are you at the right place to begin with? Maybe you're not. And that's a choice that you have to make, right? There has to be alignment across the board, right? And you have to think about if you're not aligned to their goals, do they think you're aligned to their goals? And if they don't think you're aligned to your goals, how successful are you going to be really? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. incredibly important to have that alignment. And uh, some of it's a personal decision and, and the other one is a professional decision. Yeah. Yeah. So we're going to be trying something new here on the show that we've never done. So you're going to be the first uh, guest that we're going to be doing this with. Um, we're trying to get some actual insights and ask some new questions that we haven't asked on the show before. So to close this out, I have a few questions here for you. Um, we're all about improving websites and uh, creating buyer-centric websites because we want the buyers to have a good experience online for companies, right? So in regards to your website strategy, what's something that you've recently tried that maybe it worked and maybe it didn't? I'd love to hear what you guys are doing. Your, your website or, or any any conversion point for where you're trying to meet new visitors or users or whatever you want to call it is going to be uh, in constant evolution, right? The website is no different. So uh, we're going through, we, we're always going through a transition when it comes through, um, you know, how we present ourselves as a brand. And uh, let's say like a hypothesis that probably ended up neutral. I wouldn't say we've had anything that's been catastrophic, just, just <laughs> to be honest. If, if it was, and I'd probably... I'd probably share that, but <laughs> uh, I can't think of anything that I think is catastrophic. But, you know, one of the thoughts, uh, one of the hypotheses I had was like, what if we just get people through the website much faster, right? What if we just uh, conversion optimize this to the point where all they have to do is boom, they see a form, they see an email, right? They enter it in there and they get through the process, process as soon as possible. Nobody's scrolling down. Nobody's clicking through, right? And uh, that, that's actually not the case, right? <laughs> <laughs> there, there are lots in, and, and there's, you know, research behind that, right? Like we looked at our Google Analytics, we have Hotjar for, mm-hmm. for kind of the experience, the recording of visitors on our website for heat maps and scrolling data and all that stuff. And all, all points suggested that you know, people just want to get through the site, but uh, it's not as easy as that. It wasn't as big of a win as I thought it would be. It, mm-hmm. it was a net, it was a net win, but it wasn't as big as I thought it would be. So yeah, my case in point, um, test, really yeah. test, mm-hmm. right? This is a test and that was a test and we learned a lot from it. So maybe my takeaway is the biggest thing that I've learned is always be testing, always be learning, always be optimizing. Here's the thing. If you guys had just gone with, you know what, we're going to conversion optimize this to the best of our yeah. ability, try and get people through as fast as possible. And then you never had the hot jar to go through and, and see what's going yeah. on. You didn't have Google analytics to really see where people are landing. Then you would have been up a Creek without a paddle. Right. Yep. But what's great is you guys did your homework. You oh, said, yeah. you know what, we're going to give this a try. And then you looked at what's actually going on and made an adjustment from there. And Hey, uh, even if it didn't work out, that's Again, great learnings for you guys. So that's really cool. I appreciate you sharing that with us. Um, my next question for you is what's a question as a VP of marketing that you just are itching for someone to ask you or you wish they would have asked you this years ago? Mm. 
I think a lot of that depends on, it's a good question, who's asking the question. Mm -hmm. So I'll, I'll give a pretty general answer, but I think it's one that a lot of people can benefit from if you're working for a VP of marketing or you're selling into a VP of marketing. Um, that question would be, how can I help? And uh, I almost never get that question. Uh, you know, I do actually from our team, right? My team, but um, everybody can benefit from asking that question to either somebody you're trying to sell into, partner with, work with, if you're working for them. Mm -hmm. If you're doing something that makes a decision maker, this goes for anybody, right? If you can make their life easier, uh, that's gonna be a relief because everybody's super busy these days, especially VPs of marketing. If we want to talk about that or VPs of sales or CEOs, right? We're pretty darn busy here and uh, nobody's got it all figured out and everybody can use help. But the last thing that I want to see is how your features and benefits are going to be the biggest things, <laughs> you know, sliced bread, right? Yeah. Or, it just doesn't, it doesn't cut through the noise. What, what mm -hmm. does cut through the noise to me is, um, empathy and um, selflessness. Mm -hmm. I don't know. A lot of people don't talk about it. If yeah. somebody asks how I can help, I can give you a lot of things that you can help with. Yeah. And the thing is, fit, let's talk. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's the thing is if you ask, how can I help? You're going to get some answers back that might, that might help you not even need to get to the features and benefits side because you know that you're not a fit. Right. And now yeah. it's a win for you because you look like a million bucks trying to help out your, your buyer or whoever you're talking to. And uh, I like that feedback. That's pretty good. Um, all right. I have one last thing. I think we did this when you were on the podcast before. Uh, so if you have any questions for me, we'll take the last few minutes here to shoot them over. And if not, then we'll wrap it up. Ooh. All right. This, this, this is good. Uh, what's the biggest mistake that you've seen SaaS companies make when it comes to their website? Um, they don't prioritize the user experience. Um, and what I mean by that is they build the website for their CEO and they don't build it for their buyer. Uh, there's three things that we really preach that need to be done on a website to make it this buyer centric, great user experience um, of a website. And the first one is speed. Do you prioritize how fast your website loads and the experience that your buyer has trying to get from page to page. That's the first one. The second one is uh, how easy is it to navigate? What's it like uh, scrolling down to the pages? Is it, is it tough for them to find what they're looking for? Um, so ease of use. And then the last thing is just make it clear. Your website needs to be clear more than anything. Um, we don't do messaging for our buy uh, for our, our clients or anything like that, but <laughs> that's a really uh, key important ingredient on a website is just being clear about what you do, how you're going to make their life better and how do they buy. I went to a SaaS company uh, yesterday, I was on their website and they didn't even have a book, a demo button uh, in the header. Like I wasn't sure like actually how to do business with them. I had to scroll, scroll, scroll. And I'm like, oh, okay, here's how I do this. It was like explore more or something like that. And uh, that's not going to, to really convert. You have to be clear. You have to be concise and uh, get the job done and make it easy for your buyers to get from point A to point B, because it's not about you or what you think the CEO uh, loves about the website. It's about how we're making this easy, clear, and simple for our buyer. I like it. Yeah. I like it. <laughs> well, awesome, man. Jonathan, um, 
thank you so much for coming back on uh, B2B Made Simple. Welcome back to their reunion tour, like I, I mentioned before. Um, so you've been talking about, a lot about your podcast, what you guys do, and even your book. So where can we find out about all of those things? And then where can we find out more about you? You can find me on LinkedIn, Jonathan Pogat. Pretty easy to find me there. Uh, podcast, Sales Secrets, Apple Podcast Store, or wherever you download or listen to your podcasts. Uh, books are on Amazon, Sales Secrets, Whatever It Takes, our most recent book. And then uh, Seven Figure Social Selling. Check us out. Awesome, man. Well, Jonathan, thank you so much for coming back on the show. This was a lot of fun. This is great. Thanks, Sam.